It was a one-game week uh, last week, coming off that 15-day layoff. And what a game it was. A trip to Spokane. You take on the nation's number one uh, ranked team. Uh, you knew what kind of challenge you had going. And they, they, they looked every bit of the kind of team they are right now. Yeah, they're really good. Um, you know, and, and listen, I, I mean, it's a double-edged sword because you walk away feeling like so frustrated that you didn't even resemble yourselves. And I did a poor job getting us in the right kind of mindset and, and energy space. Uh, we didn't look like ourselves. And then there's also the flip side of the Zags have done that to everybody they've played. And so um, it just is like, uh, it's, the wor- it's, the, it's the worst, right? You walk away from the game feeling like, man, that just wasn't our product on the floor. But it, it does give us a chance to get better and really investigate some things that we can do better. And we will. We'll get better. Let's do take a quick look back at the highlights and the stats presented by Intermountain Healthcare. BYU at Gonzaga in the kennel. And a heck of a start for Coach Mark Few's team. Really put you behind the eight ball early. Yeah, you'll see that we don't really have a highlight, I think, until five minutes into the game because <laughs> we didn't score. Um, that, that pass, I wish you could rewind it. This, there you go. This, this, this Jalen Suggs is, is maybe the best uh, pass-head passer we've seen in college basketball in quite some time. It's really remarkable. And that pass was just like you don't see any player able to make that pinpoint pass after grabbing a rebound and being challenged on it and just turning, barely peeking through. Uh, and um, it, was, it was a little bit of like what they were. They were really good. As the former high school quarterback he was making that pass, here's BYU making a bit of a run to get back in this thing. You get it to 39-26 on this three from Caleb Lohner. Yeah, we, got it to, we got it to 13, and then, then we didn't score for, I think, the next four minutes. <laughs> uh, and it was, just, it was just that night for us. Um, I was incredibly proud of our guys because a lot of times when you when you just that night just comes and it comes sometimes, you um, your guys walk away especially when you're 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 facing a team that's been so dominant so far this year. But my guys kept fighting the entire time, which is a hallmark of this team. And and it actually it's not a moral victory. It's something that bodes well for us as we grow into the team that we can become. That. That they have some fight in them, and, and we and we saw some some that. some great stuff there, uh, coach from a bench brigade with Caleb and Gideon and, and Richard Harwood getting some things done for you. Yeah, you know, Rich has been so consistently good, and you know, Caleb Lohner's at a one point four points per possession in his last two games, and he's he's really on an uptick in terms of his offensive efficiency. And Gideon George had really really quality minutes, and he fit on the floor athletically. He's still still really trying to get his comfort level with kind of how we play and what we do. But I was really pleased with the effort from those guys. Again, not the uh, the first team that has uh, you know seen Gonzaga you know either get out to a good start or kind of put it on them a little bit. That's what they do, and and it was really the first few minutes of the game that kind of uh, uh, you know told the tale in this one. Yeah, it's um, listen, they're a great team, and 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 like I said, if if I could take anything back, it would be the way we prepared uh, energy wise. And I know that doesn't mean anything to people when I say it, but I know exactly what that means. Um, you know, I, I, uh, there were some some directional things that we did in our game prep over the the, the few days leading up to it that I wish I could have taken back and taken us a different direction. And we, you know, we'll learn to get better. It's a painful way to learn, but we'll we'll keep getting better. That's what we do. And, and it was uh, a situation that that had you coming off uh, a more than two week layoff. You'd, you'd done game prep without games. There were holidays. There were planned days off. It was kind of a unique kind of span of time to come yeah. out of it against this kind of game it's um it's interesting. first of all everybody's facing the same challenge everyone's facing exactly the same challenge so it's in that sense it's an even playing field because it's weird for everybody but um I, I i have had some concerns over the last few days of just about fatigue which is so weird because it's not game we've, fatigue we've only played one game in the yeah. last three weeks but 
but you, you get so lit up for the preps, right? right? And so we had a full install and a full install and then the number one te- ranked team in the country and then coming back from the disappointment of that game, of our performance in that game. And so it's, you know, it's, it, everyone's on new terrain right now trying to manage it. And those staffs and coaches and players that are the most skillful in managing be successful and we're determined to be one of those teams. You came out of that game down a guy. Uh, and it's sad that it turned out this way because he worked so hard to get into a position to contribute. We're talking about Wyatt Lowell right now. Yep. And it's in the second half of the Gonzaga game that, uh, that Wyatt Lowell goes down with an injury that didn't look good at the time. Uh, we didn't feel great about it after the game. Yep. Maybe you'll be able to tell us more here tonight on this show, but you see the way he went down. just didn't look right or good. It's just one of those non-contact things that yep. looks kind of telltale, and maybe you can tell us where he's at right now. It's just such a, it's such a classic Achilles, right? So he tore his Achilles, and, that, and it's, it's just this, these acute Achilles tears are just they're kind of spontaneous, and there's no rhyme or reason to it. As you can see, there's no contact. He's not really making an explosive move. He's not under any abnormal duress. It just seems like that's, that's just one of these. It's one of the weird injuries in the human body, these Achilles tears that just... It's just inexplicable sometimes. And um, the really challenging thing for, for uh, Wyatt is, you know, he, like you said, he, had, he, had, he sat out last year due to transfer rules, and then he missed this summer because of the torn labors, the shoulder surgery, and then he's just working his way back. We had just kind of installed a – it was a, a three-set three playlist, right, uh, where we're going to try and incorporate him, and I thought he was going to really have a huge impact on our space, which we're so desperate to earn some space on the floor. It's been hard for us this year, and and um, you know it's just it's it's tough. There's no other way about it. Um, uh, I, I suspect that over the ensuing the next six months, him and Gavin Baxter become really really tight friends because not only you know they both have kind of lost a second season consecutively now, and the burden that that is. Um, they're both extraordinary young men and human beings, and they both have a ton of fight in them. They're both going to climb this mountain again, and they'll both have big-time careers, but it's just super painful. We're, 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 you know, it hurts our team in ter- terms of the trajectory where I think we go, and, and certainly we're hurt for, on, on Wyatt's behalf. And you alluded to it, his best days this season were to come. Like, he was coming back into it, right? Yep. Yeah, it was just, you know, it's, 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 it's funny because you come back from that shoulder injury, and he, he, he was back, like, could practice full, like, two days before the season started. And anyway, this barrage of games, and and um, it just, you know it, it's it's um, it's sports, man. Uh, that you know we we love comebacks, and the, the the only hard thing about comebacks is if you're going to come back, then that means you have to be down. And, and certainly, you know we're, we're down for him, and he's a little down on us now, but he'll come back. All the best to Wyatt. Well, uh, among the many COVID-caused schedule quirks this season. Idle weekends uh, this past Saturday was BYU's fourth consecutive Saturday without a game. That's weird. It's not normal in the winter. Uh, Pacific Pepperdine San Diego, by the way, uh, have ended their program quarantines. They've returned to practice, and, and those happen to be teams that uh, had games on your schedule. Yep. So now you're working to get those teams back on your schedule. We see the standings right now, Coach, feature two teams, Pacific and Pepperdine, who've still yet to play a league game. Yep. Uh, it was a, it was a, you know, I think we had a tougher start to the season than any conference in the country. Half of our, half of our league was actually out with COVID and, and so it put everybody behind. Um, we, we just jumped on a, a all coaches, uh, conference, uh, meeting yesterday, the day before, 
And I think Gloria and Aaron, uh, Conference Commissioner and Associate Commissioner, have kind of put together a new plan where we'll be able to respond more nimbly to, f to fill in games in conference or maybe if it comes to it, go play games outside of conference. Uh, so I feel like we have a detailed plan and hopefully we'll, we'll be able to get through the ensuing you know, nine weeks a little bit better than we did the first two weeks. Well, we know that of the three games that came off the schedule or got postponed, Pepperdine's already back on mm -hmm. from Malibu later this month. And so you're looking to get those Pacific and San Diego games rescheduled. That's a work in progress. Yeah, we're working on that. I think, we, I think we're close to a date with San Diego. Uh, we're still working on Pacific. It could be soon. Uh, we're, we're just trying to see. You know, but you know, the, the weirdness of the schedule actually ends up with some fun things. So, uh, for example, we're going to play Pepperdine back-to-back. -back. So we'll play them on a, a Saturday, I Here. believe, and then, and then, and then go Wednesday there and play them on Wednesday and with no games in between. Um, and and, and that's, it's kind of a fun dynamic. Uh, one of my favorite experiences of my life in basketball was playing an NBA playoff series where you go back to back to back to back. And the way the dynamics of the game change from one game to the next with no game in between is pretty special. So there's going to be some good. There's going to be some, some really fun challenges that come out of this season for our guys, and that's one of them. And the Mountain West, just to name a league, is among many leagues this year doing double dips every weekend, yeah. either home or away with a particular opponent. And you've seen some really fantastic yes. uh, turnarounds and, and, and great contrast from yeah. one game to the next with no game in between. Yeah. It's been interesting. It's been really fun. Yeah. Well, it's at that time on the show where we uh, take you inside some of the best plays made over the last few games, and we do it with an assist from our own Jerem Jordan. This week, Jerem and Caleb Lohner take us inside the film room. All right, Caleb, not the result you wanted at Gonzaga, but let's focus on some plays that worked. Four minutes into the first half, you get a steal, and then you knock three. You had a little extra English on this one. Yeah, um, I mean, we, we kind of got punched off the bat. I mean, we were just trying everything we could to get a little bit of rhythm. Um, I think we cut it after that shot. We cut it down to 13, so we were kind of chipping away at the stone. Um, but it was, a, it was a good shot. Got it to roll in off the front rim. Sometimes you got to twerk your body a little bit to get that ball to get in, right? It looked like you yep. moved a little bit. Got to do whatever you can, man. <laughs> you started 0 of 13 from 3, but you're 5 of 14 since. I feel like you know and feel like it's going to go down every time, but what changed for you? Um, I don't know. Just I think consistency and just keep telling myself I got to shoot it. Um, then being confident, not hesitating, and knowing that I think I can help the team a little bit in that area. Um, but yeah, just, I mean, we, we shoot every day in practice, so um, that's kind of what we're working on, and we're shooting in games. That's what we do. Then near the start of the second half, you get an offensive rebound and a putback about a minute in as you guys were trying to chip away. Mm -hmm. um, I think, uh, again, we're just doing what we could, but one of my roles is to rebound on this team, and I take pride in rebounding. Got a little offensive rebound, a little put back. Um, it was good. Good little momentum. Then Corey Kispert's going to end up being an All-American when the season's over. You end up backing him down, and then you go lefty off the glass from about eight out. That was a nice move. Yeah. We work on similar moves like that every day with Coach Burgess down with the bigs. Um, so I just kind of we always talk about trust in our left hand. And so, yeah, I just turned around, trusted in, and went in. Okay, and the last but not least, last week on the coaches show, and we got it in at the very end, but you were wearing some extraordinary pants. Do you mind describing what the heck you were wearing? Yeah. So I give all credit to 
my longtime best friend. We grew up together in Texas. His name's Gavin Spencer, but he cuts them all out by himself, hand stitches them. Like, they're the coolest things ever. They got color, like a little bit of swag. Everyone's always like, wow, you're wearing those? Like, those are crazy. <laughs> um, well, yeah, they're really cool. Well, Caleb, I appreciate uh, the time. Good luck at St. Mary's in San Francisco, and thanks for joining me in the film room. No problem. Thank you. All right, whether it's uh, off-court style or, or on-court swag, he's got it all coming together right yes, now. Yes, he does, man. He's really fun. He, uh, by the way, is at career highs in scoring now in back-to-back games, the Weber game and then the Gonzaga game. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, listen, you know, I know BYU fans are enjoying this, watching each of these guys kind of take one step after the next and they grow, kind of seeing where they were and where they're going. Like these seasons are just, they're just journeys in themselves for a team and for individuals on a team. And, and he's, he's easy to tell his trajectory because he's making such huge leaps and bounds. Okay, as we head to break, we tell you that for your day-to-day Cougar Sports play-by-play, we want you to watch BYU Sports Nation with Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. You'll see it weekdays at noon Eastern on BYU TV and hear it on BYU Radio. And Steve Young will be on tomorrow's show, so do tune in. Before we head to break, we wanted to send our love and best wishes to former BYU interim head coach Tony Ingle who's uh, battling some COVID-related health challenges right now. According to Tony's son, uh, Coach Ingle is expected to be on a ventilator for the next month or so. So we do hope that his uh, recovery uh, during this time is swift and that he's back to his smiling, high-energy, always positive ways just as soon as possible. Special, special person, Tony Ingle. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, you know, I've known Tony for a long time in different capacities and uh, he, is, uh, he loves this game as much as any human being I've ever met. He loves this game of basketball, and he loves these young men that play it. Uh, and he's kind of given his whole heart to it. His, his, uh, you know, Izzy is becoming a big-time coach in his own right, doing uh, terrific things. And, and um, Coach Ingle is, is known in the coaching community by everybody. And I don't know if there is – and I don't know how much BYU fans experienced it while he was here, but he has some type of saying – uh, uh the, for every single thing that could ever happen. <laughs> yes. Half the time, I, I, it takes me a second to understand what he's talking about, but it all makes sense in the end, and he's a, he's a beautiful human being. He's a great, great, great ambassador for BYU. In uh, numerous speeches and talks I've given over the years, I've used a lot of Tony Ingle, I'll tell you that. Well, uh, best of luck to Coach Ingle. We love you. All right, we'll be back on the show right after this. BYU Basketball with Mark Pope is brought to you by... Siegfried and Jensen, helping Utah families for over 30 years. Intermountain Healthcare, always here for you. Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. Smith's, fresh for everyone. And by Deseret News. Welcome back to BYU Basketball with Mark Pope, presented by Siegfried and Jensen. Here's our broadcast schedule for the week ahead. Cougars have a two-game week, opening up at St. Mary's on Thursday night. Cougar pregame live on BYU Radio. That'll get going at 10 Eastern with a tip at 11 Eastern, 9 in the Mountain Time Zone, and 8 in Moraga. Then Saturday, the Cougars head to San Francisco with pregame on the radio at 9 Eastern that night. The tip at 10 Eastern, 8 in the Mountains, and 7 out on the hilltop in San Francisco. Let's look now at the weekend ahead in some greater depth as we get to know the foe presented by Qualtrics. We start things off with St. Mary's. The Gales, Coach Pope, are 9-3 on the year, coming off a home loss to Santa Clara. 
Yeah, yeah, and that battle between Santa Clara and St. Mary's is tough every single year. Uh, they're so close in proximity and uh, two uh, incredibly distinguished tenured coaches, two of the finest coaches in the country kind of going head to head. Uh, and this one, like all of them, came down to the wire and Santa Clara came up with it. Santa Clara actually been, if you talk about our difficulties with COVID, they've been in a hotel for the last three months uh, because they can't, they can't actually play games on their home venue. So everybody's dealing with it and they had a terrific outing. And, uh, you know, you never, you never like to see St. Mary's team lose the game before they play you because you know <laughs> that Randy's going to have them uh, just um, ready to play for blood. So it'll be, it'll be a fun game. It'll be really challenging. It's actually back-to-back wins uh, for Santa Clara at St. Mary's, have their number a little bit. Yep, yep, they do. And it's, it's, it's Santa Clara team's a good team, too. They have unbelievable size in the backcourt. Uh, they're pretty skilled, and they played terrific. You know, they'd struggled to make shots early on in the season, uh, but they made a bunch of shots at St. Mary's and played well. One thing that never changes about St. Mary's, and, and some of their numbers right now don't look normal for St. Mary's, but that tempo number yep. stays pretty slow. Yeah, the tempo numbers the same. You know, they're they're really interesting. They they're 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 really interesting actually because they don't run in transition hardly ever, but their transition numbers are through the roof because they're so judicious about when they go and their transition defense is top ten in the country. So the, even though the transition game is not a huge part of how you identify them, they're excellent on both ends of the ball. They haven't shot it as prolifically as they have in the yeah. past. They're actually guarding a little bit better and they're rebounding even better than they did last year. I've said this about Randy Bennett, and he's a good friend. Um, uh, you know, he could probably go to the rec center and grab five guys <laughs> and give a game to anybody in the country. I mean, he's that good a coach, and his, you know, he knows exactly how he wants to play. And they're so tough, and they're so physical, and they're so good at home. Uh, it's, it's always a great game when you go down there. It's going to be a huge challenge. Great matchup. You see two 9-3 and three teams who both lost a lot yep. from last year and are still trying to find out exactly what they're going to be this year. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's been such a great series. Uh, just in the last year, we lost in overtime there. We won on a game-winner uh, last-second bucket here, yeah. and then yeah. we lose on a, a game-winner in a WCC tournament. So we couldn't be any more evenly matched in terms of our last three games, and I expect this one is going to be more of the same. It's going to be an unbelievable game. As fun as he was to watch, I'm not going to miss Jordan Ford. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this young man. I'll tell you what. He is such a spectacular talent, and uh, I'm not going to miss him. I'm not going to miss Malik Fitz, but, yeah. Malik Fitz, but it's interesting. Uh, you know, they, they've, they've, they haven't necessarily reloaded so much as, as guys have stepped up. So Fotu, who is playing a, a very kind of um, side uh, role, was really good on the glass, actually scored it well against us on the mm-hmm. roll. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's actually playing like Malik Fitz. He's shooting the ball a ton from the three, shooting a decent percentage. He's attacking guys off the bounce. And so that's what Randy does. It's like every year you think, oh, he lost everybody. He's not going to be as good. And then he's got a great team the next year. Let's go to San Francisco for game number two. Uh, you've played one league game. We've seen Pep and Pacific haven't played any league games. Don's have already played four league games and 14 games overall. They've done a good job getting games in. Yeah, they, they, were, the one, uh, they were the one team in, in, uh, in our league. They got all four. And, um, you know, they're playing really, really well. Uh, they have two incredibly explosive, dynamic guards uh, that can really score, as, as we'll remember from last year. And then they have unbelievable length. Uh, three, four, and five. I mean, really one through five. With the exception of Shabazz, everybody they put on the floor has got incredible length, and they're shooting more threes than just about anybody in the country in terms of attempts. Uh, they're a good team. You know, they beat Virginia earlier in the year. 
and, and, and they're a real challenge, especially on the road. They're really, really good at their gym. The last game you played at their place last season was memorable, I think in a lot of ways, in part because of what happened after that game. But in that game, you're up 14 at the under-16-minute timeout, and they come back on you, win that game by a single point. Shabazz comes off the bench with 32. Didn't miss, literally 10 for 10 from the field, 6 of 6 from 3. Tough, tough loss for you guys. But I want to say what happened after was, was, uh, was pretty important too. Yeah, you know, um, probably more than any team in the league, uh, uh, San Francisco will will end up with a lot of isolation basketball. They'll spread, they'll have all five guys spread on the perimeter, have an open, empty post, and actually just ISO you. And and they just destroyed us. Between Bouye and and, uh, Shabazz, they really gave it to us, and we just couldn't find an answer, and we got sideways offensively. And I did a poor job coaching, and uh, TJ ended up getting teed up on a play, and uh, we went really, really sideways. It was pretty tough. We were at a, a very precarious point. We'd had a terrific non-conference mm-hmm. at a really precarious point in our conference season. And um, we all had some doubt. And this is the great thing about the journey of a season. If, if I go back there, I mean, we all remember how the season ended, like in terms of like what these guys accomplished. But at that moment in the season, we were all looking around at each other being like, you know, we're in trouble. Like, yeah. this is not right. We might not have answers. I mean, they had just t- kind of torn us up in the second half, and we couldn't find answers. I'll never forget, after that game, and I've told this story before, being sideways, we're flying back, uh, you know, is uh, we're all doing. We're all just d- devouring the film, trying to find answers, trying to figure, figure things out. And I walked back in the back of the plane, and some of the guys had fallen asleep, and TJ was awake, and I grabbed him, and I challenged him, and I was like, you know, I, first of all, I put some probably unfair blame on him for the game in terms of the responsibility he was carrying and then his performance away from the ball and what he could do, just as one example of how we grew from that game. And then um, he did what our BYU guys did. He responded, and um, we ran off 10 straight and beat the Zags. And, it, 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 I, you know, not ironically, the way it should be, TJ saved us defensively with defensive play after defensive play after defensive play in that contact game. And it changed that, that, yeah. that response to that game changed the course of those guys' careers mm. and for sure our season. And that's why sports is great, right? Because it's when you get knocked down that you have a choice, you have a chance, you actually get the opportunity to get back up again. And, and those guys did, man. It was awesome. Yeah. I would, I would actually prefer to avoid that right. re- reoccurring. Right. We'll see how it goes. But at least you made the most of what was that time a really difficult situation. Uh, let's get this update up there. Uh, I mentioned the Pepperdine game. Yeah. Uh, you lost it off the schedule earlier. It has been rescheduled for January 27th. That's a Wednesday. And so programming note, that week our, our show, our coach's show, will be on a Thursday of the day after that Pepperdine game uh, at 8.30 p.m. on the uh, BYU TV app Eastern. So one of those games is back on midweek, uh, and like you said, back-to-back. It's going to be a throwback Thursday show. It's going to be all <laughs> throwback-themed. Uh, Greg is going to have hair. Uh, I'll bring some hair, too. We're going to wear some old-style gear. It's going to be unbelievable. Throwback Thursday will be our first Thursday show ever. This is all news to me. No. But somehow I think we're going to make it happen. Come on. This is live television, guys. (laughs) We're creating as we go. Let's go inside the numbers presented by Mountain America Credit Union. And let's look at the WCC, where eight of the ten league teams have played league games. But uh, here's the deal. Uh, six of the uh, ten teams are in the Ken Palm top 125 right now, Coach. And the league's never had a year that ended 
with as many as six teams in the top 125. And you see the team at 120 in Ken Palm with also a pretty good net is LMU. They just beat USF. Yeah, and, and they're really good. You know, they, they actually played a back-to-back with Minnesota. And um, almost, I think they, they lost a game by two. And Minnesota's actually, actually put together a ton of uh, dominating performances. So this Loyal Marymount team is really, really good. A new coaching staff, kind of new energy there. Uh, the league is good. Uh, it's deep. Um, you know, Portland, who has perennially kind of been towards the bottom of the league, beat Oregon State this year. Um, there's nobody in the league that hasn't put together some great wins. And uh, it's going to be... It's going to be more competitive ever, which is saying something because because last year the league was great also. Yeah. So um, it's really good for everybody in the league. Uh, it lifts us all up and and it makes things really challenging. Let's do a resume check real quick as we get into uh, January and deeper into the season. And this you know this year, who knows how many games BYU will actually play? But you're in it, and and the resume stacks up this way. You see a bit of a range there. But uh, Ken Palm's got you as high as you've been all year uh, right now at 65, and you're still on Lunardi's radar. You're in some brackets, out of others, uh, in, a, in a position to where this weekend, I think, Coach, could be big for you guys. I mean, uh, you know, two teams that are seen along with you and Gonzaga as maybe the top four, yep. and you've got two of them this weekend. It was interesting. When we played last year at, um, at St. Mary's, it was an overtime game. We ended up losing the game in overtime. And it was about the same time in the season, about the same time. And uh, Joe Lenardi was there, and he grabbed me after the game. And uh, he was just like, Mark, I know you're down, but I'm telling you right now, those are two NCAA tournament teams. There's no doubt about it. That's coming from the great Joe Lenardi. And so playing these great teams is important, and it, it bolsters your resume. The country gets to see you play. They get to see who you are. Um, and and it, it really does a service that we have so many teams that are that have some national relevance this year. It's good for the league, and it's good for our chances to make the postseason. It reminding me that uh, last year St. Mary's and BYU would have both been single-digit seeds in the NCAA tournament, no doubt. Yep. And the Zags were the Zags. All right, let's head to break. As uh, the BYU men hit the road, the women's basketball team plays here at home this weekend. Uh, join us Thursday night on BYU TV to watch Lauren Gustin and the 7-2 and two Cougar women's hoopsters host the Gales of St. Mary's as the men play in Moraga. That'll be 8 Eastern. Then Saturday at 4 Eastern, BYU hosting Pacific. The women's game is on BYU television that day as well. After our break, we will get the Cougars' quick takes on Colby Lee. We'll take questions from Cougar Nation for Coach Pope. And later, we'll go deep with Richard Harward. This is BYU Basketball with Mark Pope. BYU Basketball with Mark Pope is brought to you by Siegfried and Jensen, helping Utah families for over 30 years. America First Credit Union, we're here to help. The BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Zion's Bank, we haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. And by Qualtrics. Checking out our Cougars in the Pros, presented by Deseret News. Jimmer Fredette leading the Shanghai Sharks 26-7 and on Saturday as they took an L. T.J. Haas uh, playing out in Poland with 15-4 and as they win their third in a row. And uh, Eric Mika is playing for Partizan and had a close loss on Saturday. He goes 7-2-2. Two and two. 
Those are our Cougars in the pros. And again, I, we may have an updated photo of TJ. I think the beard's gotten a little thinner. I think it's come down a little bit from that. Oh, that's that too moment. bad. I, I wanted to, like, I, I think saw, it looks good. I saw a recent action pick, and it was just a little more stubbly than it was uh, Grizzly Adams there. But either <laughs> way, awesome. it's pretty epic, epic look for TJ. All right, uh, time now for our weekly up-close and personal look at the Cougs through the words of their teammates. It's, of course, Cougar Q&A presented by Zions Bank. We haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. Kobe Lee, Idaho boy. We call him a big diesel or big tater. Kobe Lee, the quickie monster. We call him big Idaho. Big cold. Probably the definition of like a gentle giant. He's just such a genuine, nice kid. A lot of time I'm lost, and Kolb's always there to kind of talk me through things. I have a lot of respect for Kolb because if you look at his games last year, you could just see him get better every single day. The dude never makes a mistake anymore. And if you want to win, uh, make sure you have Kobe Lee on your team. He's a hard worker. He puts his head down and he works. He's super great to play with in the pick and roll. He rebounds the ball really well. He doesn't have to say anything out on the court because he just shows it with his actions. I don't know if I've ever seen him miss a shot 15 feet from the hoop. These coaches came in and taught him that new aspect of his game called the quick, which is that quick little floater he shoots. Uh, and he just absolutely embraced it and made it part of himself. The greatest touch. Um, in the NCAA, 100%. He has the best touch I've ever seen in my life. It's, it's ridiculous. His touch around the rim is, is crazy. He's like the best in America, no doubt. With quicks, he never misses. He might have a quicker release on his floaters than Steph Curry does on his jump shot. It's been so cool to see his growth. Coach Pope would just go at him so much last year because of different like mistakes that he would make. And he never got down. He just kept working hard, learning, and now he's just a great all-around basketball player. All right, what what'd you like most out of that? The big tater. <laughs> Kobe has more Kobe Levers. He's, it was the spud truck last That's time. Right. The quickie monster. He's got more nicknames than anybody I know. They, they do. They do make reference to that shot from the hip, though. That's kind of that's kind of his thing, isn't it? It's awesome. Yeah. It's it's so. And he's just perfected it. He's just genius with it. Okay. All right. Let's go to a social media Q and A now for Coach Pope. It's brought to you by Smiths, fresh for everyone. Uh, first question coming from Twitter uh, it says: Having just faced Gonzaga, you know how you match up. Uh, now that we've got some time before BYU plays them again, uh, what are some things the team will be working on between now and then to be ready for the Zags in round two? Well, a couple of things that bothered us. Their length bothered us. We thought it would go in. Their physicality bothered us. We were surprised at it and disappointed by our response. And our pace with the game was disappointing. And, and our preparation for the game, I'll tell you, I think I made the mistake of spending way too much time on the Zags and not too much time on BYU. And it's a rookie, it's a young coaching mistake that was uh, unfortunate. So I think we'll, we'll wholesale go at it a different way, and I think we'll have a better result. I really do. I think our team has the potential to play significantly, significantly better than we did in that game. And right now, the second game of the two scheduled is for the last regular season game of the year, the way it looks yep. right now. Yeah, and, and, and listen, we might move it up just to make sure we don't miss it. Like, we've got to have the game one <laughs> right. way or the other. Like, I'm not going to play at the Zags and allowing them not to come here and play. we got to <laughs> yeah, get that game can. back. All right, question number two. Uh, in your first year, uh, you've traveled a bit as head coach. Where's, what's been your favorite location so far and uh, why? Oh, uh, well, I love we Houston. Did go to, we did go to Maui, too. Like. I love Houston. Yeah. <laughs> I love Maui. I love Italy. Like, all three of those places were places where I had bad experiences before, and so I didn't like them. Even Maui, I had had a bad experience when we'd gone there previously. Mm. 
Italy, I went there, and my college experience was awful with, with Coach P just killing us there. And, and I changed my perception of all three of those locations forever by the gift that BYU gave us. All right, trip. those are the big three. So we got Maui, we got Italy, and we've got uh, Houston on those. And, of course, no place like the Marriott Center. All right, on the latest BYU-SN right now, if an NFL playoff game can have a Nickelodeon theme, why can't Kiki Solano show? That's what we asked. Watch it now, BYUSN, on the BYU Sports Nation social media platforms. Coming up next, this week's Deep Blue player profile on big man Richard Harward. And newcomer Gideon George joins the program. This is BYU Basketball with Mark Pope. It's a good move for him. Welcome back to BYU Basketball with Mark Pope, presented by Siegfried and Jensen. Time now for this week's Deep Blue segment presented by America First Credit Union. In tonight's feature, we profile a player who has become the second member of his family to suit up for the Cougs after deciding to play for a second school. But it was a decision to stick with his first choice that made all the difference at his next stop. Here now, Deep Blue on Richard Harward. Big Rich. He really just doesn't care what people think about him. I think it's one of his greatest strengths as well. One of my favorite players I've ever been around and ever experienced to be around and to coach. He just took life in stride. Was not one of those that would give us grief or anything else like that. He was just cool. I think it kind of it kind of shows through in the way he plays because he's the kind of player that he doesn't care to go get his hands dirty. He doesn't care that like he's this big guy on the ground growing for the ball. And I I think it's something that's definitely come across his whole life. I've coached Richard now for three and a half years. I had him when he returned from his mission three years ago, his freshman, when he played zero minutes a game. And we didn't really know what to expect when we got him back. So he came back, got to Utah Valley. His freshman year couldn't even scratch. Couldn't get a second of time. Things weren't really going the way he thought they would from a basketball perspective. My dad was sick. There were other like depression issues, things that he was working his way through. He was like, I don't know what my future is here. I don't know if I'm good enough to play here. I don't know if I fit here. Um, Was thinking about maybe transferring, finding a better fit to play. And we went on a team hike. We had all the guys sleep at my house. And then we woke up at like 2 o'clock in the morning. We went all together and climbed Mount Timonogos. I've grown up hiking and doing outdoorsy stuff. So I was like, oh, I got to get up this thing in record time. And I was kind of hauling it up, but when I was by myself, there's a lot of moments where I was just kind of sitting there thinking to myself quietly, and I realized it's like, hey, there's going to be tough times. Like, it's going to be miserable, and it's like, I'm going to feel like I got gypped or I got screwed out of certain situations. But it's like, when we were at the top of the mountain and had the whole team together, that was the moment that I was just like, I want to be here with these guys. Like, I want to, like, summit the mountain with a team. I don't want to be some guy that's always fighting for his own. I want to be with a squad. He raced up that mountain ahead of us and came down. And he walked in my office a couple days later and said, Coach, I don't know what my future holds. I don't know if I have a place to fit here on this team, but I cannot let my teammates down. I'm not leaving. And from that day, he made this commitment. Music is just such a great, like, tool and, like, vessel to bring about, like, happiness and emotion and, like, connecting with people's emotions. And like I said, when I was struggling with anxiety and like depression and stuff, just listening to that music really gave me something to cling on to and feel like I could connect with it. 
He did not scratch for the first half of the season his sophomore year either. There was no daylight. He was buried under this big slew of bigs that we had. He was getting no love. We had a player break his pinky, uh, one of our centers. So he had to sit down. And so we had to throw Rich into the rotation. When he wasn't playing and he was being energetic and brought it every single day, when he was called upon, he was ready. Right? I think the first game he was called upon, he had 16 points, 12 rebounds, and was player of the week. Every game for the rest of the season essentially averages a double-double, is the best player, the best big in our conference in the entire WAC, all from the get-go. It's like as soon as he got under the lights, it was like go time. I'd grown up my whole life, people tell me like, uh, you're too fat, because I grew up a pretty chunky kid. <laughs> tell me it's like, you're too fat, you're not gonna make the junior high team, and then I went to work and I made it. Scout leader was telling me in morning basketball one time, he's like, yeah, I was talking to some guys and they said like, yeah, you can play high school ball, but they really can't see you at the D1 level. And that, that made me so angry. It made me so mad. I was like, hey, I got to show these people. Another one of those examples of like, hey, it's confidence been like all this hard work's paying off. And now I can go and show these people. I can show all the people who doubt me that this underdog can do it. How many guys on last year's team told us they hated practice because of Richard Harvey? <laughs> that guy right there. Because he's a physical. No, they're like, he's so Yoli strong. was the first to say it, too. Yoli Childs is like, man, I hate banging against that guy. He wants to win, and he wants to see everyone be successful, and he knows what it's like. Um, he knows what it's like as a bench guy, as a role guy, and as, you know, a player of the week guy. Cares about this team and the players on it so much, and with all the incredible things he's going to do on the court this season, he's never going to do anything more important than that. Seems like uh, the kind of player who's a joy to coach. He is a joy to coach. Um, I tell you, it's uh, you you see um, you see him with all the joy and energy and intensity he brings on the floor, and sometimes you might think it's easy, and it's not. And um, he 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 does so much work off the court to prepare himself, his soul and his mind to be able to give that to his team, give that to fans. Um, and it's just it's just unbelievable what he does. He's he is a, he is an absolute joy to coach. And he's a beautiful human being, and and uh, he's doing special things right now. It's fun. He's awesome. Well, if you'd like to watch more BYU men's basketball and football deep blue stories, go to the BYU TV app on demand to view the nearly 40 stories, and those are on demand available right now. Well, tonight's live player guest is like Richard Harvard, a transfer to the Cougar Hoops program, but his path to Provo very different indeed. Please welcome to the Pope Show, Gideon George, joining us from the BYU Basketball Annex tonight. Hello, Gideon. Good to have you with us. How are you guys doing? We're doing, we're doing great. Too. Thank you for coming on. <laughs> Gideon, first question I have for you. Uh, what were your favorite sports growing up in Nigeria? Oh, and, and when soccer. did basketball become number one? I played I play soccer. Like, um, I was a goalie then. I played soccer. I love soccer, though. When I growing up. I play soccer, ton of soccer. <laughs> so um, I'll say basketball, it all started like when I, I went to the gym to go call my brother because my mom sent me to go call my brother. So I went out there to go call my brother. And the coach out there, he gave me a ball and started working me out. So <laughs> that was like, that's how I started basketball. And, and maybe not everybody knows, your brother Samson has been playing basketball in the States for a while. He now plays at Central Arkansas after a career yeah. at Pittsburgh, right? Yes, that's right. And, and how's his season going? Um, his season is going well. 
he's loving it because he's getting to play a lot. So he's liking it out there. He's having fun. Coach Pope, when did you think that you had a chance to bring Gideon George to BYU from his junior college in New Mexico? Well, Gideon didn't make it easy. <laughs> so, listen, Hobbs, New Mexico is not easy to get to. I mean, Gideon, I came and saw you three or four times at Hobbs, right? Yeah, you did. And the first time <laughs> Gideon true. wasn't even hardly willing to talk to me, but we, we, we eventually broke through the ice a little bit. <laughs> But I heard great things about Gideon uh, in Hobbs. For example, one of the things his coach told me was, Gideon, will you tell us about um, when you first got to Hobbs, New Mexico, and tell us about the gym and having access to it. Tell us all about that. Uh, um, there's like a little story. So the first day I got on campus, so I saw like this rabbit outside running out. So <laughs> I was like, oh, that's a good meet. Then Michael turned to me. I was like, <laughs> they don't do that out here. I was like, oh, if, the, if it is my, in Nigeria, man, that's a good meet. That's a great meet for me and my boys back home, though. <laughs> you don't see any rabbits running, <laughs> running around. It, it was when so Gideon, like, sorry, you, you, were, you were in New Mexico at junior college. That's when mm-hmm. you, you uh, as the story goes, I think, Coach Pope, you, you saw a teammate uh, getting rid of an old pair of shoes, and you said, well, man, I, I know some people who could use a pair of shoes like that. And that became a bigger thing mm-hmm. and a bigger thing until, until you, and I think your brother, too, uh, began shipping mm-hmm. all kinds of athletic shoes uh, back home for, yeah, yeah. For, for kids in Nigeria to use. It became a really uh, productive effort and something you, 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 you spent a lot of time and put a lot of energy into. Is that still something you're involved with? Yeah, very, very much. I never, I never believe it's going to be like this big. I'm even surprised because I don't know. It's just like I think it's it's way above me right now. So I don't know. It's a beautiful thing, Coach Pope. Though it shows what is, what kind of heart he has. Yeah. So Gideon has now. He's got the Gideon George closet <laughs> in a room adjoining the locker room where uh, the guys fill it up with, sh- uh, with shoes as they're lightly worn, or actually guys have brought shoes from home. Uh, I've brought used shoes from, from my family at home. When the locker's filled up, we p- package all the uh, shoes up in boxes and send them off. And so, Gideon, I don't know how many boxes you're in. It's got to be a half a dozen, a dozen giant boxes you've sent already, right? I don't know. But all, all, all I know is that the kids back home, they like... They're, like, excited about it. They're, like, grateful for it, too. So, Gideon, you told me these are the shoes you wore growing up, right? Yeah, pretty much. That's pretty awesome. The picture you saw with that kid with the shoes, that's the shoe I wear pretty much back home. Yeah. The other thing about Gideon George, he's an unbelievable cook. Unbelievable cook. Gideon, when you're telling this story about, first of all, this is my question. I know you could have cooked that rabbit. Could you have caught it? Yeah, I will. How, how are you going to catch a rabbit? <laughs> I will. What That's did... how we do back home. We set like traps okay. for rabbits. So, so it's like easy. Yeah, no problem. You got it. <laughs> so Gideon, Gideon came to our house and he cooked dinner for us. It was so fantastic. So, so Gideon, I'm gonna tell, you all right if I tell this story, right? Yeah. So he, he, came, he came to our house and cooked us dinner just for me and my family. It was so fantastic. And he like, was like the greatest chef I've ever seen. I mean, he had pots and everything going all over the place. 
And then all of a sudden he's moving the pots, like boiling, like they've been on there for half an hour. He's moving with no, with no mitts, with no nothing. And it was like, he, he, he feels no, like your, your hands are so tough. And um, getting you, you, you at home, you would cook every day over open fire outside, right? Yeah, sure. So I'm used to it, like bringing like pots on like fires so from home. So I was like, it was funny when coach was like, no, you don't do that here. I was like, I'm used to it. So yes, <laughs> it's not a big deal. <laughs> Well, Gideon, the way you're playing has been a big deal. We look forward to seeing a lot more of you on the floor. Next time we get you on, we'll actually talk basketball. Uh, Gideon, thanks for coming yeah. on tonight. Appreciate it. Love seeing you. Love seeing your big smile. And we'll see you on the road. Have a great <laughs> night. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. Good job, Gideon. All right. That is Gideon George. As we go to break, here's this week's trivia question presented by the BYU Store. Tyler Haas, BYU's all-time leader in field goal attempts, but he's second to this player in field goals made. Who is this player? The answer next. All right, trivia time. Uh, Tyler Hawes, BYU's all-time leader in field goals attempted, but second to this player in field goals made all-time. Who is it? Well, Danny Ainge. Almost 1,000 shots made before the day of the three-point shot. All right, here's the broadcast schedule for this week. BYU at St. Mary's on Thursday night. Uh, Cougar pregame live on BYU Radio gets going late on the East Coast. 10 Eastern with 11 p.m. tip. Then Saturday, Cougars drive toward the ocean, take on San Francisco with pregame on the radio at 9 Eastern that night. Tip at 10 Eastern. You see both games on ESPN2. All right, we've gotten to the end of the show, the time where we take all the odds and ends and throw them in a little goulash we like to call What Happened? Let's see what happened this past week. Just a one game played. Uh, in this moment, uh, Caleb Lohner has left the building. He just took off. He just went up the stands. I think it was dipping Dots at that point. Yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of things going sideways for us. <laughs> he... Uh... They, you know, the Zags did a great job. They were, they were way more physical than we were. It's just the truth, and it's something we'll learn from and grow from. Uh, he almost had an epic uh, dunk moment uh, once we get to the next clip, and this is something he's tried to do a few times, and it's going to happen, and when it does, but, yeah, just, just coming up a smidgen short on these, uh, on these power attempts, another version versus Utah. It's going to happen at some point, Coach. It is going to happen, and, and the nice thing for him is, like, his whole game is slowing down. Like, he's... He's seeing more things. It's just been fun to watch him grow. And, and as he does, these plays are going to become more commonplace because he's going to feel comfortable kind of implementing them in the game. Let's shout out the BYU social media team. These are the top teams in terms of increase in interactions for the men's basketball programs from last year to this year. And you see BYU there uh, ninth overall and a lot of big name logos in that little collection right there. BYU does a great job with its social media. Kiwi and Stu and the whole team is crushing it for us. It's been awesome. Basketball player LeBron James talking about a BYU football player, former Cougar Sione Takitaki as Sione's pick helped seal the deal for the Browns on Sunday night. So you see LeBron James mention you in a tweet. That's pretty darn exciting. And uh, Sione recognized that by basically acting like a little kid Wow, it's like LeBron James said my name kind of thing. <laughs> this is lit. So, yeah, so even a big-time player like Sione Taki Taki can still get a little starstruck at times. That's awesome. How great are BYU <laughs> players performing in the NFL right now? It's awesome. Like, there's so many guys playing at such a high level. It's awesome. Oh, no. You mentioned Throwback Thursday. You said Greg with hair. Well, unfortunately, that's, that's Greg with hair, like, when I was, like, maybe 12. 
but uh, I had the had the had stunningly the mid- handsome. Had the middle stunningly. part going, the middle part going. Yeah, so uh, we'll see what develops for our our true throwback Thursday if that's actually comes to fruition. We got to do it, man. Let's go. Well, let's say if BYU wins the game the day before, we can have some fun with it with the Deal. throwback Thursday. Done. Let's do that. That's our job. Okay, so uh, quick last couple thoughts for you as you guys head uh, to this Bay Area Road. We already talked about the fact that nobody would ever originally draw up a schedule that has you opening at Gonzaga, at St. Mary's, at San Francisco in league play. But that's the schedule you've got at this point. Yeah, it's, it's, it's what we got. And, and first of all, we, we will never forget how grateful we are to just be playing games, right? And second of all, this is how we kind of take on the season. It's what we did in the non-conference. Let's go play the hardest games as soon as we possibly can, learn as much as we can about our team, and then keep growing. And so, you know, I don't know if I would have picked this schedule, but it's the one we've got, and we're going to use it to our advantage, and, and we're going to keep growing as a team. Um, our guys are really dialed in on doing that. All right, BYU continuing to find out a lot about itself in the early part of conference play, and that will do it for today and tonight. We'll talk to you next Tuesday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. For the great Gideon George and for head coach Mark Pope, my name is Greg Rubel. Shout out to Jerem Jordan wherever you are tonight. This has been BYU Basketball with Mark Pope. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Go Cougs.